Big Fluff. My name is Riley Parlett, and I'm from Southern Maryland. I love bushcraft and survivalism. I've been practicing for years. I have a lot of primitive skills, uh, such as foraging, fire making, shelter building. When it comes to survivalism, I'm totally fine and comfortable being by myself. I don't find that I need companionship um, to be happy. I'm doing this challenge to prove that all of this practice was for a reason that can actually pay off in a survival situation. Riley has extensive primitive skills, but she plays better alone than in a team, and that could hinder her chances of survival. She begins with a PSR of 6.3. <laughs> Hobo Radio, the official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HoboTrashCan.com. You're listening to Hobo Radio, and this is Riley Carlett, Season 9 cast member of Naked and Free. And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And this week is pretty exciting. Now, it's exciting for me because I get a chance to catch up with an old friend of mine. Uh, my friend Riley, who... You know, I've known for just shy of a decade who, you know how it is, like, you're you're friends with someone, but you, you move around. So, you, you know, we've been Facebook friends, we've been social media friends, and you kind of keep tabs on someone. Uh, but, you know, you, you miss out on their life, like the big picture. You see, you know, photos of their pets or photos of meals they ate, but you don't always get a full picture. And... Uh, you know, you just, everyone ends up going on with their lives and you feel like you're, you're staying in touch, but you realize these gaps and the, the reason for this week's show and the part that you guys are going to be excited about is I recently discovered that in one of those gaps, my friend Riley competed on the show Naked and Afraid. And, uh, you know, so I, I started seeing that, uh, on her social media that she had done this show and, it, it both for, you know, the the reasons that I thought that may be of interest to you guys and just going like, oh, man, I, I really got to catch up with this person. Uh, I reached out to her and, you know, we traded some messages and we decided uh, to catch up on the air. Like, and so that's what you guys are going to hear this week is me talking to Riley and, and we go deep on her experience. So if you are a fan of this show or you're curious about how it works. This is a really good in-depth look at at what a contestant or what a competitor goes through on that show. So I, I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, here is my chat with Naked and Afraid contestant Riley Parlett. 
So, yeah, Riley, I am very excited to talk to you. Uh, we have actually known each other for, what is it? Like, I was trying to figure this out. Is it like nine years? Or like, when did we meet? Yeah. It doesn't seem that long, but I think it really was. It is that long. Yeah, I know. And, and it was, so it was funny to me because like, so you and I uh, were friends, like we've known each other. Um, I have kind of moved around a bit. So like I, I'm out in L.A. now, but we still, you know, kind of like loosely keep tabs on each other, uh, like on social media and stuff. And then I just kind of out of nowhere, like I saw you posting uh, that you had been on this show, like on uh, Naked and Afraid, which I was not even familiar with at the beginning. But yeah, like I I reached out to you. I, I thought this would be fun to to kind of catch up and also talk about the show a bit. Like, I think with social media, it's it's like you feel like you're keeping up with what someone's doing, but then you're like, wait, what? You, know? <laughs> you actually focus on a post that seems like, how did I not know that? And you're like, oh, well, it could be because I haven't, you know, actually talked to this person in years. Well, and it's funny, too, because like with this specifically, it's like you disappeared for what, like about a month, <laughs> like at some point. Yeah. Yeah. OK. But let's... I was gone for the entire month of October. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but OK, so let's back up a bit because um, I, I want to get into how this happened. So you uh, yeah, like so when I, you know, knowing you, I know that these are always have been interests of yours. Like, I remember you talking about this kind of stuff that you, you have always had this, like, I guess, survivalist kick, if that's the, you know, right way to put it. But I know that you've been interested in, in a lot of these traits or, or, you know, like however to, the right way to put it, but like it kind of have been interested in being self-sustainable and sort of like knowing how to survive in environments. Does that sound fair? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, so... So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's always been something I've done. You know, I grew up playing outside. We didn't have a lot of stuff. My mom would just kind of, like, cut us loose and let us play, and we'd come back, and, uh, you know, we found... We just made our own fun and climbing trees and making stuff and being outside. Um, and then uh, I started working in D.C. while well, sort of kind of outside of D.C., and I was spending, like an hour plus a day, both, both ways commuting. And I was working like 45, 50 hour weeks. And I was just really, uh, just burnt out, just pretty much exhausted. And I, I had been doing that for a couple of years. And, um, it was the first time in my life where I had paid time off, like vacation time. But, um, I didn't have, you know, and all my friends would go on vacation, but I didn't, I just didn't have money to just take off and go, you know, fly somewhere and go on vacation. So, you know, I had to take this time off. So I just said, you know, screw it. I'll go camping. I mean, pretty much it's, it's free if you bring your own food and your own gear. So I went, um, I kind of just had like a, blow everything off and disappear moment where I went to the Appalachian Trail and I did five days there by myself. And it it was awesome. Like, it was so gratifying. I, I didn't have my phone on. I just kind of got away and, and regrouped and, and felt so much better um, and recharged when I came back. And it was kind of a turning point, I think, because I realized, you know, 
how much I missed doing things like that and, you know, how much value was found in them. So I found myself since, uh, since that point, anytime I'd have three days off in a row or anytime I could get away, I would go, I would go camping or I'd go find a new spot to wild camp. Um, and I started bringing less and less gear and started kind of challenging myself and, uh, and learning on my own. So I was, you know, reading books, uh, following a lot of, uh, a lot of people, um, you know, Dave Canterbury and things like that. Just learning, even, even on YouTube, I would learn. And then, uh, when I got to a point where I was kind of getting into more advanced bushcraft and things like that, I started taking actual classes with local bushcraft schools and bushcraft schools in West Virginia. Um, and then I, I took a apprenticeship, and was and doing that for a good amount of time. So it kind of just evolved, and I, it wasn't something I ever thought, you know, I'm, this is something I'm going to do. But it evolved to that point, and then there was really no turning back. So yeah, but I guess that's the question: Was there an end goal? Like, it, did that develop over time, or like it, it was just like you would do one piece and then you would do the next? Or, or like, what point did it start to feel like, oh, I'm I'm doing this? I mean, it, it, it was never like something I said, well, this is like my thing. I just started doing it piece by piece. You know, it would be, hey, I will learn how to make an A-frame. I'll just I'll just do it. I'll, I've, I've studied it enough. I'm going to give it a shot. And the next thing you know, I was, you know, I would say, well, let me make a lean to you. And I would just start slowly just challenging myself because it was just gratifying and it was it was free. <laughs> you know, I would... Um, I learned friction fire and, and things like that. And I would just post my, just take a few pictures or post projects and stuff, just almost for myself, like a little journey, like a little, just to see where I improved or, or things, little milestones. Um, and it wasn't until people started like trying to talk to me about it or actively engage me or ask my advice or, hey, you know, where's it a place for me to start or what's a good project I could start and that I started realizing there was a huge opportunity to you know really help and teach other people um to make this more than just a hobby that it had become for me and was there did you find a community like you ended up uh connecting with other people that were doing this like was that online or are people nearby or, or no how- is absolutely absolutely a community um it's a it's a very small world i mean uh you know i would go like for example i would go for a buckskin class and learn how to do buckskin and i would meet a you know i met a girl that she she made buckskin in her jeep or her truck that she lived in with mayonnaise and she'd be like you know you can do this you don't have to use pig brain for this you could use mayonnaise i use mayonnaise and then, you know, the next thing you know, I'm learning from her. And then um, someone saying, hey, you know, if you if you like this class, you should come down to the one we have in Pennsylvania. And it's it's an awesome community. And the, the cool thing about this community is it's not founded on um, making money. It really isn't. A lot of people that are in bushcraft and do these types of things, they don't have a lot of money. So I would work trade these things, meaning I would come do a lot of chores that needed to be done um, wherever I was in return for free teaching or, um, you know, you could trade. You could trade items, old gear that I didn't need or want or use in exchange for, you know, having a free lesson or being able to follow around someone that was really good at something. And 
when I got to the point where I was able to share some things like some primitive fishing stuff or some foraging things that I was a little better at, um, I kept that same, you know, mindset and just, you know, traded traded knowledge, traded things with people. So it's definitely community. But, you know, it's funny, like listening to you talk about this. I don't know. This is probably just where my brain goes, but it almost sounds like like Skyrim or something, or like an open world <laughs> video game. Like you're acquiring these skills and you're making <laughs> trades. <laughs> yeah. Like. It's absolutely exactly like that. Like it is, you know, <laughs> you start off with like shitty scraps from the hide and then you end up canning something <laughs> and the value goes up and someone wants to be part of your group now. It's a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. And it's open world. You can, you can just explore. Yeah. It's open map, open map style. You just go for it. All right. So, and are you, uh, at this point you're still, you've got your regular job, like you're still doing that like this whole time. I, I don't know if yeah, you're still. And it, yeah. At that point I was still commuting, still going, uh, still working. And, uh, you know, I was a makeup artist for a high end cosmetic company. Um, and I was getting more and more just really disenchanted with all of it. Um, you know, I was feeling like smothered just by just having to clock in every day, driving and spending all this money to get to a job that I really wasn't feeling any reward or gratification from anymore. Um, and you know, I just started thinking, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I don't want to be unhappy. Um, if there's any way that I could do bushcraft, do primitive skill, do something like this, uh, full time, or even for the majority of my income or livelihood, um, I'm going to try to do that because I, I was really miserable. And yeah, then, so like I said, wait, what? Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, no, I was just, okay. So you like were so yeah. You're at that point. You've you've made this decision. I, mean, I was mentally at that point. Yeah, like I said, there's you don't do you don't do these things, bushcraft and prim scale things because you you're gonna make some money. That's there's no money there. You you don't do it for that. You so you have. To, I had to kind of find a think of a way that I could do this or at least sustain myself while I did it. Uh, you know, on the side. Um, and I had that mental like aspiration, but you know, no, no real plan, no solid plan at all. And I had been, like I said, posting, uh, you know, things, foraging things, things I had made, um, primitive skill stuff I had done on my Instagram. And I mostly did that for myself because I didn't really have any followers. I and mean, I just did it because I thought it was neat. And I followed a lot of people um, that did it. So I started doing it and then I've been doing it for a while. And then I got a message on Instagram from a casting company basically saying, Hey, have you ever considered doing, uh, being on naked and afraid? And I just thought like, no, yeah. This okay. Yeah. Probably, cause yeah, this sounds yeah. so shady. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. You must think I'm so stupid. Like, Oh, here's my news. Like you yeah. have them. Like, of course it's <laughs> real legit. You know? Yeah. I, I was just so blown by that. I was like, you must like not think I have a brain in my head. So <laughs> I, I laughed. I thought it was hilarious. I think I even like posted on Facebook about how funny it was. And, um, and then they were like, you know, no, we're serious. We don't, we don't want any nudes. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and they were like, no, we're dead serious. And so I actually like called 
discovery and they were you know they knew who the casting company was they knew who the woman was and they said like absolutely that is somebody we work with and, and things like that and um and then i had to watch the show because i had never seen the show <laughs> you know and so what is that moment oh, well, like? So you're, you've accepted this, yeah, but yeah, so you, then you're watching, you know, this show of like the potential to, to go on it. And yeah, what, what goes through Be your on it, right. Well, it was weird, A, because I don't have a TV. So <laughs> I had to go like track it down. And then in my mind, even though I had never, ever watched it, I don't know why, but in my mind I thought, I thought of it more as like a game or like, like the Amazing Race or like Survivor or something. I just never thought of it as being legitimately survival. So, you know, I worked really hard to learn the things I learned and be like authentic in, the, in my experience and stuff. So I didn't want to do something that was going to undermine my experience or undermine, you know, my, not to say reputation, but the things I had worked for uh, in the community so far. So... I was really skeptical, but the more research I did and the more I watched it, and I actually spoke to E.J. Snyder, who was on the very first, the very first uh, Naked and Afraid, and he had been on subsequent ones and uh, became sort of a, um, you know, like a liaison for them between uh, primitive skills survivalist people and and to the network. So I spoke to him, and, and he's really down to earth and really straightforward. And I realized, you know, this is the real deal. Like, no one's going to help you. This isn't fake. This is something you have to do on your own. And uh, then I thought, well, you know, they're they're asking me, they're asking me to to apply to go through the application process. So I thought, look, I live in a small town. I I was doing I do this as something that makes me happy. I'm probably never going to be on the show. I'm like far too boring. You know. <laughs> Like, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll sure. I'll, uh, I'll send some stuff in. So I sent like, so I sent a few. I didn't even. I think I was supposed to send in like an obscene amount of footage and stuff, and I really didn't. I just didn't have it. So like I sent in like some pictures. Yeah. So what did they, they ask like, for? Pictures of me doing. They asked like pictures of you doing what you do, and they asked like footage or video of you doing you know primitive feel like uh, firecrafting or friction fire if you have it or you know any sort of stuff like that and I really didn't send in mm, I didn't send in much because I just didn't have it I mean I didn't re I don't go out and do these things to record right so I didn't have it but I sent it in anyway and I just thought well what's I mean I wasn't going after this so what's the worst that could happen you know they don't they don't call me back but they did i mean they they called me back and the people at uh, metal flowers which is a casting company they were so helpful and and honestly really anytime i did an email in like a week they would email me again like hey we need your we need x y and z again they really like kept me motivated so um yeah, I actually went through it, and uh, the next thing I know, they were saying, hey, please get these vaccines, because you're definitely going to be doing it. And then, so what do you know going in? Like, like so they, you know that you're going to be somewhere, you're going to be partnered with someone else, uh, but you don't mm -hmm. know the location, right? Like, you don't know... You you don't... So, I'm, I've heard that it varies for... It has varied in the past. That's what I've heard. But for me, and what I understand for most people, they give you about a week. They give you about a week to uh, 
to know where you're going. But okay. you, that said, that said, consider that. Okay. So if I if I told you you're going to the U.S. Great, that's wonderful. <laughs> now, are you going to go? Are, well, are you going to go to Arizona? Right. Are you going to go to Hawaii? Are you going to go to Seattle? Like, I mean, there's there's no way. There's only so much you get from that. So, I at first I thought I was going to Panama because I was trying to be crafty and like figure out my vaccines. <laughs> you know where they would be putting me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like trying to get to the bottom of this, but uh, I actually so I know way too much about Panama. Like I know an inordinate amount about Panama for no reason, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So actually, um, actually, when they told me um, Honduras, I was like, wow, and you know, obviously had to relearn a lot of things, and I crammed as much as I could. I mean. Plant-wise, animal-wise, I mean, because you don't know even where you're going to be, you know. Just because you're telling me Honduras doesn't tell me where in Honduras, and they don't get that specific. So you, you can only do so much. I I learned a lot about certain fruits and fruit trees and things that uh, were definitely not there. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good, I imagine. You, you would probably want more information than less information, certainly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. You also, you know, I was also like, I specifically read that there would be banana trees, <laughs> you know? and honestly, there were, but they were out of season, so didn't uh, <laughs> Yeah. All right, so so you get a week, you prepare. Do you do you tell people what you're doing? Like, did, were there people that were aware that you were going on the show, or you're just you're like tight lipped about the the mission? I or? was super. I was super. I was super quiet about it. I had, I finally quit my job. I I left my my work in uh, outside of DC, and I um, just started because I knew once I once I knew the process was real, no real corporate job is going to be like, yeah, that's cool. Just take a month off and uh, right. shoot you and come back. So I just headed that off, and I took a bartending job and local to home, and it gave me more time to practice, more time to you know, really work on my skills and, um, and I'd have more time off. And I told them from the, from the jump, I'm working with the prospect of, of going on this challenge. I didn't get specific, but I was like, you know, I will be gone for a month and so on and so forth. So I, I kind of was vague about it. I didn't tell my mom, I didn't tell my family because (laughs) Yeah, I didn't, well, here's the thing, you know, my mom's super smart. My mom is going to be asking me, well, okay, what are the safety, what do the safety things entail? Or what are, you know, what is security like there? I mean, she, you know, she's going to hear Honduras, well, the murder capital of the world, you know, what what kind of things are are going to be there to protect you? And honestly, that's just not something that we're privy to. So I knew there'd be a lot of things she would want to know. I wouldn't be able to answer best case scenario she has like intense anxiety for a month you know so i just said i I did say i was going on a bushcraft trip um but i didn't say i was going to be doing the the challenge because i I knew she would really worry and and there'd be a million things i couldn't answer so i didn't tell her until i was like cleared from medical and on my way back to the u.s and i just sent her like this really long apologetic email (laughs) about why i didn't tell her (laughs) (laughs) She had actually never seen the show either. So she was like, you what? <laughs> no, mom, a guy on Instagram <laughs> sent me a message. It's totally <laughs> oh, yeah, legit. Yeah, right. And if I, exactly. If I had told her that, she'd be like, this is 
<laughs> I arranged you better than to believe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. So you, you do this, you're, you're all set, you get on a plane and then like, is there downtime? Like, do you stay somewhere at first or like you land on a plane, you're in a car, you're there. Like how, how quick are you thrust into this situation? Well, for me, I was very lucky. I was very lucky because I actually had five days uh, staying in Honduras before insertion day. So um, I had a little bit of extra time to kind of familiar. And you're not you're not where you're going to be inserted. So I, again, totally, totally kind of honey dicked because there was so much fruit trees. There was so <laughs> there was mangoes. There was papayas. I felt like just I was like. Are you kidding me? I was like, I'm gonna make a fruit salad. This, I'm gonna be like so good at this. <laughs> I'm just gonna running just, around just with yeah. These 21 yeah. days are gonna fly by. Just fruit salads. And, I was like, and I hope you're ready for this because <laughs> this is like really easy. I um I even found those apple snails that I ended up living off of. I found those. And like tried them out before. I found those in the water. You know, I was just kind of milling around just in this like Garden of Eden, which had everything. <laughs> but to come to find out, you know, all that had been cultivated a while ago and was just there and certainly not at all present in a primordial rainforest. <laughs> so, I was just set up. I guess, <laughs> you know, in my mind, I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm so good at finding all this stuff. And it, it was nowhere to <laughs> All right, so then reality <laughs> drops at some point. And so what, yeah, what is it like when you actually get there? Well, um, you know, we have so much as far as, and I really never saw my partner, and I was, I, I'm really crafty. Like, I always had my eyes peeled. I was waiting for someone to slip up somewhere and say my partner's name so I could Google them. Like, I was so ready. <laughs> It never happened. They are very good at keeping. And, you know, I found out later Kyle was completely on the other side in a different, a totally different uh, lot than I was. So I would never even have found him even if I looked. But, um, I, you know, people don't realize, you know, we took the rafts in. So that takes time. You know, you have to have the meeting on camera. That takes time. Showing your, you know, items takes time. I'm not, I'm not an actress. Kyle's not an actor. So the whole time that's going on, we're thinking, okay, the day is getting away from us. We still have to get to our actual location and figure out where we're going to set up and build a structure of some kind. So it's, it's a lot of anxiety because you're like, you know, they're there to set the program up for the viewer and you're there to survive. So this is complete conflict of interest. <laughs> <laughs> right, because they're worried about getting the shot, you know, and they whether yeah, or not they need the shot clear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they need a nice shot. They need it clear. They need it, you know, pleasing. But you're thinking, all right, well, where is this place? Because we need to start building. And you know, I remember, but we would be waiting to like move on, and I had never even met Kyle or talked to him, and we're like, uh we need to go. And he's like, yeah, we need to go. <laughs> that was the common, first common ground was we need to get the hell there and get moving. Well, we also, um, you know, I, we, we are friends. I don't want to make this weird, but I'll, I'll try to be delicate, but I feel like we, it is naked and afraid. Like you at some oh, point. Yeah. So, so all of this, you're meeting Kyle, you're getting this shot. Like you, 
that's part of the deal. You know this going in. At some point, you have to yeah. strip down naked and just oh. like did that. Yeah, what is that? Like that? Like you know that that's a part it's of it. Super but it's, awkward. Yeah, yeah, it's the worst. It's the worst. Like you know, I watch. I didn't watch all of Naked and Afraid. I watched like maybe twenty episodes before going in, and everybody's so cool. Like everyone's so. They're like, I love being naked. I wish I was naked more often. They're like, I'll get naked right now, and you know, everyone's like super pumped and okay, okay with being naked and I'm just, I'm not I'm just not I don't I don't want to be naked <laughs> in front of people in the woods and like doing all this you know I'm just like ah really like this is so awkward but you know I knew it was part of it so I did it um did it I was ever... just hoping it was somebody that wasn't going to be skeevy about it or like none of those guys that make any kind of creepy comments. As long as I was like, please don't be a creeper. Kyle did seem like a perfect gentleman from from what I saw in the episode. He, he seemed like a, a like he I believe he had a wife or a fiance. I think like he had a girlfriend or I, I know he had a significant other that he yeah. talked about. But like he he was he was absolutely a perfect gentleman, perfectly polite. Um, never invasive or creepy and he, yeah he has like a gorgeous wife and they're you know they're amazing and but still and, and honestly though, he is a perfect person but it, yeah it's so weird well plus like you're literally meeting this guy naked like the first interaction you have it's like here's my naked partner and we're gonna be doing this for the next 21 days like that's yeah yeah in my mind I was like just keep eye like eye contact <laughs> eye contact eye contact like just cause and it was like loose footing so the rocks were so wet and we were falling and slipping everywhere um and I was like trying to look down for my feet but I was like I, I'd rather fall I'm just gonna fall like I'm not gonna meet this person and then just straight you know accidentally just look right at the you know junk so I was like I'm just gonna not look at my feet and just you know, try to stay balanced and look straight in the eyeballs and give a firm handshake so <laughs> that's that was my goal and I and I did it so I feel you know good about that and then once we had the satchels we were like very we were probably like super modest and, and militant about the satchel. It was like always in the front, unless we were trying to do heat exchange, and then there was always a satchel between us. Like we were always, always here. Our satchel was our life. <laughs> it's a very middle school dance that you keep a satchel. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, all right. So with the the that like the the being naked aspect, and just in general with the cameras, like all of that, you know, it's obviously like the bushcraft, the survival part. That that's what you're there for. That's what you understand. But this artificial show constraints of it like d were you always aware of those was there a point that you kind of reach of like forgetting that the cameras are there forgetting that like you're both naked like does it ever just start to feel like okay this is normal now or was it always kind of a odd well everyone says that yeah everyone said going in that you get used to it and so like the first day i was like there is no way that i'm ever <laughs> gonna get used to this in any capacity ever like but you really do and it's because you're so miserable and it's because you have so much crap you have to do people don't realize how much stuff you have to do just to eke out the bare minimum like you really do got to get up and go look for eight pieces of kindling and you know or firewood or whatever you're doing it's you have to do it at all times and and you do forget they're there and i i would completely forget they were there until or unless i'm flinging a machete around and you know i, I don't <laughs> <laughs> There's people and in the way or, you know, 
if they're impeding be, your your goal, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, these trees are actually people. but Because you forget they don't talk to you. They don't help you in any capacity. And they're just kind of there. Um, you know, they don't want you to go completely off by yourself without you know, having some footage, you can, you can go off by yourself, but you need to take your diary cam or, or something like that to record your stuff. So the only time I would really realize it is if I hear them like clunking behind me or kind of just in my way, but that, that's pretty much it. You do, you do forget they're there, which seems like such an impossible thing at first. <laughs> and, and so when you got there, I mean, did you, you said you did a lot of research and everything. Like, did you have a game plan of like, you know, this is how I'm going to like, how much of it did you feel like going in that you knew what you wanted to accomplish? And then what was that like compared to actually being there and like seeing the terrain and trying to figure out the realities of where you were at? Right. Well, I was super confident about, you know, the, the survival order of which I wanted things done. And we actually stuck to that pretty closely. Kyle and I agreed, you know, we build our shelter first. Uh, we sourced our water first. After that, you know, we worked on fire and then food obviously was our last priority. Um, we stuck to that. That's the, the order in which we really, uh, well, we had food before fire because for obvious reasons. It, it pretty much rained every single day we were there. And the only thing that really hung up was fire. And I think the show pretty much captured like our frustration with that because firecrafting you know, with the materials that I was used to in my area, firecrafting with materials he was used to, it's so bizarre to really cut, you know, cut into a piece of wood and it's like dripping water. You know, just, yeah. it, that's its whole point is to retain water, you know? So you're just like, there's so much, it's, it was so difficult to find wood and kindling that was dry. Um, we didn't get a lot of sunlight in the canopy. We were down in the canopy and, um, not only would it rain and the, the air was just wet, it, there was really no sun. So we would find these little tiny, you know, three foot sun beams that would come through and we would lay, lay the kindling out to dry and try it just, it, the second it started raining, we were just running toward it and trying to protect it. And it was just a full time crazy process to just get anything that would be dry enough to ignite. It was uh, that was our huge, biggest challenge. So outside of that, outside of that, everything was sort of by the book. But it, it is really difficult when you don't have fire to to do a lot of the other stuff because you're so miserable. And I, 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 I'm your dumb friend who doesn't know this world, but I was very excited by the fire that you ended up making. If you want to talk about that a bit, like the, the, I knew it was Thank special. You. Thank you. I, like I knew from watching yeah, the show, I was like, this is a big deal. This is not an easy fire, but I like it was underground. That's about all I got out of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's ever been done before on Naked and Afraid. I don't, I don't know because I haven't seen all of it, but. Nothing I've ever seen. I've never seen someone do it. Um, it actually, when I first started out, I started out with firecraft, and I went through this one summer where every week I tried to build a different fire. So I did a Swedish torch fire. I did, you know, a Dakota pit fire. And I am so glad <laughs> that I did that in my yard because I never thought that that's the one that I would end up doing. I mean, because it's so labor intensive. I had to do it with a stick in my bare hand. I mean, it was digging in the mud that was wet. And 
I didn't even know, you know, I knew at that point that it was do or die. Like I was taking a risk because I knew there was a very good chance the tunnel might collapse, um, that I might hit water of some kind and it would just be so wet. Um, I did, did, you know, I did dig kind of a trench around the structure so water didn't run into it. Um, but it was a, it was a real gamble. I just couldn't see other things working because we just didn't have any luck with it really. And I knew, um, it was, it was the best way to sort of protect it. Uh, so I did it and I, the whole time I did, it took me two days, it took me two days to build it because not only that, but as I'm building it and I'm exhausted and I, I don't have a partner by that point anymore, but, um, it was just rain and rain. And I think it rained a foot a day for three days in a row and it was crazy. And, uh, I just couldn't, couldn't dig it right with, without getting completely soaked. So it took me two days to build. In the meantime, I kind of like did the best I could with getting as much fuel and fire kindling, all that kind of thing. So I was super ecstatic when it worked. I mean, I really was because the whole time I was, you know, it's easy to get really discouraged and when you're also when you're starting and stuff like that and just be like, why am I even doing this? It's not going to work. But I stuck with it. So, yeah, I was super pumped when that when that actually worked. Well, yeah, you mentioned, uh, yeah, that your your partner ended up going home, I think, about halfway through the the run. Like, he, he ended up leaving. Yeah, Kyle, yeah, Kyle left, officially left the very early morning of the day 10. So, like, 6 in the morning or something. So, I still had that whole day by myself. Um, I, actually, I thought that was a, a sweet moment uh, in the show when... He like had a heart to heart with you about like explaining that he was leaving, you know, which, which seemed like he, he felt like he like it seemed like he thought he was, you know, letting you down. It was part of it, you know, but I thought that was. Genuine. Yeah, he definitely did. It, and the one thing about it, like people, yeah, people have been harsh on Kyle for leaving, but Kyle was really harsh on himself for leaving. And he actually is just a genuinely nice person. Um, I'll just straight up say I I like Kyle. Like I I don't know I haven't read any of the feedback or anything. But watching the episode, I I'm, I'm Team Kyle. Like I I'm totally on. Yeah, he's super, he's super nice guy, and uh, we would do this every day where no matter like how tired or miserable whatever, when the crew left, we would go down to the water and sit on the rocks and eat like what little cahoon nuts or what little scraps we could find or grubs, and we would say one positive thing about the day. Uh, one thing that we wish we could have done better, whether that was communication or a task, and then our goal for the next day. And we did that every single day. So that was kind of like our final one where he's like, yeah, I'm going to leave, you know. And I knew it, you know. I knew something was up when he kind of stepped away and everybody was circled around and I kind of just felt, all right. You know, I knew I knew it going in leading up to it that he was starting to get really, uh, you know, his motivation was more so that he needed to go home and things like that. So I, I kind of felt like it was coming. So I wasn't surprised. I mean, but that's a genuine blow to survival is to lose your partner because that's a whole other resource to help you, and you know, morale wise and stuff. So I was definitely upset, but I didn't want to make him feel bad because, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's his choice, you know? 
Yeah. So how do you adjust to that? Like what, what did that do? Like I, I can kind of guess, but yeah, just in general, like all encompassing, you've got slightly over half of your time left. Right. And you've like, you're by yeah. yourself. So like, what did you adjust at that point or are you just kind of just rolled with it? Well, or? I kind of, well, I just, at first I was like, you know, because I do most of my stuff alone anyway, like my survival and even in my regular everyday stuff, I do a majority of stuff by myself. So I just had this moment where I'm like, look, I know what I need to do. I know what needs to get done. I know how to do it. And I'm just going to do it. Uh, it was a very, very simple. I don't, I don't have to compromise with someone anymore. I don't have to argue with someone about what we're going to work on because I'm going to be the one doing it. So it was a very clear and, and a simplistic moment. But as time wore on, I started realizing what a huge resource just having another person for anything. You know, even if you have one person to go get water and that saves you from scrambling over the rocks so that you can be doing something else, something simple like that is is a huge bonus when you are on negative calories. You know, it's just um, being in the being there completely by myself in the middle of the night. And, you know, animals are aware any sort of animals around are aware of, of who's there. And if there used to be two and now there's just one, I'm, I'm sure that they were aware of it and that was on my mind, you know? Right, that you're more of a target, essentially. Yeah, I'm just like this small wasting away thing. And I would hear stuff in the middle of the night and think, oh, Kyle, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so I guess it's the other thing that I, I, I wonder about too, I mean obviously you've got these like things that you need to accomplish and maybe it really does. The time passes really quick, but yeah. Is there, do you have downtime? Is there a lot of just like time to sit and reflect or, or like time, you know, like when you're by yourself, does that feel isolating? Like or, how much time are you like, do you oh. have to think about everything versus just like, I need to get this food or get this fire. Like, do you have time to just like be alone and just passing the time? Oh, absolutely. I would say I had more time where I was kind of isolated and just sitting by myself than I did productive time because it got dark under the canopy so much quicker um, and then it would be pouring rain. And sure, you can say, well, you could go out in the rain. Well, you know, could I though? Because I had lost basically all the fat stores that I had. Um, I was freezing. It was bitterly cold there at all times. Um I, I had a point where we had a torrential downpour, like foot of water without stopping for three days. So I basically sat in my shelter and just sat there. And I like, you know, I carved, I carved out fuel from, you know, the dry center of wet wood. And I, I worked, I did as much productive stuff as I could in the confines of my shelter, but it was rough. It was incredibly rough because you have nothing but to think of all the stuff at home, everyone you're missing, wonder if Kyle's eating pizza. Like, <laughs> you know, you just, is it going to stop raining today? Is it going to stop raining next week? Like, what what's really going on? So, it's you have so much time. That's kind of, you know, a negative because that's when you can get in your head about stuff. Your hands aren't busy. So you're just, you know, you know that all you have to do is 
say the word and you're done. You could be in a warm, you know, lodge, eating a full plate of food, taking a hot shower. And it's that, it's that thought that is your biggest, uh, your biggest enemy out there because it's such a mental thing. And the ease of that is just really threatening sometimes. Well, and okay. So that's an interesting question too, because as you said, this isn't, uh, a game show. It's not a, a competition. There, there's no reward for making it to the end. So what in those moments, like when you're you're sitting there thinking about Kyle and his pizza, uh, like what did like what was it for you that was in your head that was like, I want to do this? Like just what was the motivation? Well, I mean, you know, well, you know me personally, so you know I'm incredibly stubborn. Sure. So, I, just, I, I will yeah. say this, and you you know that I've known you long enough to believe this. When I started the show, I was like, she's going to make it to the end. Like, I never doubted yeah. that you would do it because I know you, and I'm like, she's not leaving. Like, I don't, like your exactly. leg could have been cut off, and you would have, like, stayed. You know? <laughs> right. And I know people say that, but I was really like, but you don't understand, like, to my own detriment, like, I will die out here, but yeah. I will never go back. <laughs> no, I but, 100% I mean, believe that. And that is true. That. Yeah. <laughs> it was true. And it was just like, I I know I don't let stuff beat me. I'm not going to let this beat me. Like, and, and you know, and, all, and also part of it was going through a hundred and, you know, seeing a lot of, uh, the, the way people live and they do rely so much on their own hands and, and their own skill sets of like gathering food and fishing and building their own structures to live in. It just seemed really arrogant to me to come in and sort of be like, these people do this day in, day out. This is their lives. Um, but I can't do it for three weeks. Like I literally, I know I'm going home. I know I'm going back to where, you know, I have a refrigerator full of food and I have a job and I have all, the, you know, all these things and material items. But, you know, these people, this is their life. And, and so I just thought about, you know, that's just so, I don't know. It just felt wrong to be like, I can't even do this for three weeks. I owe it to, you know, this place and, I owe it to the opportunity I've been given to stick it out. And honestly, every, every person I did tell that I was going, everyone was like, you, you're definitely going to do it. Like, I'm not even worried that you won't. So just for that sort of <laughs> kind of encouragement and belief, I was like, I can't let these people down. Yeah. So, it becomes its own know, it cycle. It was a combination. Yeah. Like it, it perpetuates yeah. itself. The myth of you yeah. requires you to do this because that's how people perceive you. You know, so you have to. Yeah, I was like, I'll never. Also, I have my friends are not gonna sugarcoat anything. Like if I <laughs> if I'm a quitter, they'll be like, we're not friends with you anymore, quitter. So you can't sit with us. So, <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely couldn't do that, and uh, you know, I just I just wanted to. You know, this is a small town where I live. You know, a lot of people here the same thing. You know, a lot of people here rely on hunting, fishing, working, working two, three. You know manual labor jobs or what have you and it's just sort of like look if i'm gonna be on this show and tell people this is the area i'm representing and and if i'm gonna you know actually do it then i'm not gonna quit i was concerned about a medical tap out that was something that i was really really worried about because i had lost so much weight i didn't weigh i gained some weight to go in but i had gotten really small and uh, just freezing all the time i was really worried the medics were going to uh, intervene and kind of force me to tap and that would have been my biggest fear but 
I told, like, I, they didn't really speak to me, but I sort of told them, shouted at them, I'm like, do not even think about trying to medically tap me. Like, just don't even try it. I'm fine. I'm just cold. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, so you make it to the end. Like, you, you get to the last day. The last day seems tough because you still have to, like, get out of there. I thought that was kind of, like, cruel, you know? It's like you make it yeah. 21 days, and it's like, yeah, okay, you're done, except get here, <laughs> you know? Like, but there's more. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's rough. But I'll be honest with you, uh, when you know you're done, you're like, I did it, I'm done. All I got to do is get through this extraction, and I'm going to have a, tonight I'm going to have a hot shower and a hot meal and a warm bed. There is nothing come hell or high water that's going to keep you from doing that. Like, there's just nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'm but sure that's he, just adrenaline, that is, yeah, at that point. It's just raw adrenaline and pure, I mean, and, and there's things that, you know, they have to do, you know, they, they need to make sure that they're getting the shots of you putting in this work and really, and really moving. And honestly, all you want to do is just run and burn yourself out. So you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm swimming like a water bug, like trying to get through everything as fast as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, the extraction really was difficult, but I was so excited and so like distracted by the fact that I had done it and it was done. I really didn't, it didn't, wasn't until I looked back later and I was like, wow, that was actually really difficult. <laughs> So what? Yeah. So what's that then? So you you're extracted. I I assume they give you pants at some point. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, they give uh, me my clothes that I shed. The same on insertion. It's the so. same clothes. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. It is. Like at that point, and they've so... got like moldy too from like the moisture in the air. Oh man, that's not cool. Like, the, <laughs> I feel like you should get like some swag. There should be like a naked and afraid. I made it T-shirt and. <laughs> You know? Yeah, you think they would be like, "Hey, here's this like exclusive shirt," but <laughs> here's a fluffy robe, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so what? Like you, you get to a hotel, like you get to shower, you get to eat. Like what? What is the like moments after? You know, like back into right. You know, normal life. Well, my hair is basically matted, so and it was just this like wild animal that had like bugs and sticks and mud it was nightmares inside of it and I all I could think about was I'm gonna get in this shower I'm gonna brush this head I'm gonna like be clean because my skin was like stained I had to literally scrub my skin like it was dirt embedded in my pores and things I couldn't I couldn't even get out so I had to like scrub three times over just to get clean and I ran out of hot water Oh God! Because you know it's it's Honduras. Like sure. it's it's you know it's even being an amazing lodge where I was. It it's still Honduras is not this overwhelming luxury here. So I still had to like do that, and then it took me about three hours to get my hair unmatted oh, and brushed. And I by that yeah by that point I was I, I I had made my mind up. I was like. If I don't get, if it's not done in 10 more minutes, I'm going to cut my hair off and I don't even care anymore. So <laughs> luckily it, it kind of unknotted and it like came, came together within that 10 minutes. I had made my mind up at that point. But, um, once all I wanted to do was bathe and put on clean clothes and then, you know, the hunger, once <laughs> I was totally clean, it was like, all right, it's time to really like punish some food. And what did you, but, what did you, um, this is the most important question. Yeah. What, what is that meal? 
like at that point. So right. So there's this like pike fish, which I, I love pike in general, but it's this pike fish and they have to smoke it for six hours. So the staff there had made that in preparation in anticipation of me being successful. So Oh nice. Um I was yeah, I was super excited. It, the producers actually came and filmed it and I was like Ugh. Listen, I'm tired of you guys. I want to eat this. Leave me alone. I'm done. Like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, like I'm canceled. Like, <laughs> so, but it was it was so good. But I ate like three bites, and I felt like I ate like Thanksgiving dinner. Well, so sure, it was yeah. completely full. Yeah, I was tired. Um, and also, you know, like I was in such a in starvation mode to the point of like my body didn't produce the enzymes anymore to break down the food. So I had to take artificial enzymes and or supplemental enzymes just to break down food for for probably for the whole week before I could start building up to having, you know, a meal without that anymore. And do you, like, is there a moment where you look in the mirror and, and like, are, are startled by, you know? Yeah, yes. I was absolutely horrified. Like, I was covered from head to foot with sores, open sores, scratches. I had, my foot was infected. Oh. I was, I, I, my eyes were sunk in, like my skin was just hanging off and I was just like, wow, this is so frightening. Like I was so scary and I just felt like, uh, like a husk. I didn't even recognize my legs. So, like they looked like sticks because, uh, I think I went in, I had gained some weight to go in. So I was 130 and I left at like 109, 108 or something like that. Oh, wow. And, and so then... You know, so now we're at the, you get back, uh, you know, to your hometown at some point. And now, like, this is what I'm curious about, too, because, yeah, like you said, it, it's a small town. You know, like, the people know you. I'm I'm imagining there's questions or there's, like, you, you've been gone this whole time. Now you look different, you know, like, what is it like getting back home? Yeah, it was wild. I took, I did, I didn't go right back into... Honestly, there's a lot of like hiding, almost mental and psychological things like being so isolated, being so alone. And then it was just way too much to be at the airports and stuff. And everybody's around, it's all these noise, and it's just too much crap at once. And you know, you're still physically weak and stuff. So for me, I did take some time. You know, I didn't turn my phone on right away. I took a couple of days. I didn't, you know, I, did, I mean, I, you know, by that, I mean, I wasn't on social media and stuff. I didn't. I went home and I kind of took five, six days to just sleep and recover and eat. Emailed your I didn't really somewhere. go out. Yeah, I emailed her. <laughs> actually, did email her in the airport, but uh, <laughs> but my weird, fun, terrible fact: my mind, like my concept of time, was completely gone because you never know what time it is, and they don't tell you. And being under the canopy, I could never tell. So. My phone was on the wrong time in the airport for some reason. Like, it just messed up with the time zones. And I thought I had, like, three hours before my flight. So I just sat through my flight taking off and leaving. I totally oh, no. missed the flight from... Yeah, I totally missed the Atlanta flight to uh, to, to Dulles. Like, I missed it completely. And it was the last flight there for the day, so I had to sleep in the airport. <laughs> But it still felt like luxury because it wasn't the yeah. jungle. Yeah, airports are easy. <laughs> but I was like, I just want to go home. <laughs> it was so bad. But, yeah, I was slow about it because it – and also, you know, you get so unused to basically 
the, you're used to the sounds of the jungle, the quietness, just kind of a very simple routine that at first it's just way too much. And I was not prepared for that. So like, I remember the first night in the lodge, well, actually I only stayed one night and then I flew home, but it was another storm. Luckily I'm already in the lodge, but I woke up and basically bolted out of the room thinking that my shelter was about to collapse or was, you know, dripping or something, but it was, you know, it was just my brain in survival mode still. So this is a bit of a process. When I finally went back to work, I was definitely a lot smaller, <laughs> you know, I, and by that point, I, you know, everyone pretty much kind of knew that I, I had done the show and, and things like that. But, you know, they always have a million questions that you can't answer. Right. It's, you know, the show's not out. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, that's so the whole thing. There's are a like, gap. My friends are like, just. Yeah, a lot of my friends are like, just tell us the truth. You were in jail, weren't you? And I'm like, yes, I was in prison. You caught me. That is 100% true. So that's a big in prison for jail. So prison for a month. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, so you, you've got a while, like that was last year, right? Like you, there's a big oh, long yeah. gap before the episode comes out. Yeah. Because I came, my episode was technically after the season finale. Cause it, and I don't know why it was done that way. I, I have no idea why or what that was, but it was considered a season extension of some kind. Like my guess is just kind of breadcrumbing the season. I don't really know. Um, and then my episode kind of ran in between um, XL, which is huge right now, and uh, Matt Wright Savage. So it kind of wasn't as promoted or um, as well known as some of the other early season episodes. So yeah, it was it was a really long time going. If you consider that I actually got home the first week of November. Oh wow! And, and it, yeah, it aired June tenth, so that was a huge lapse <laughs> of time. Uh, yeah, I guess um, we haven't done a good job with that. Season nine, episode eleven, Trouble in Paradise. Like, <laughs> make sure yeah. to get the plug. I don't want to. I don't want to not. You know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so what? Uh, like you, I, I know from social media that you watched it in a bar, right? Like that because you don't have a TV. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was, you know, I, it's weird. I don't want to be watching this with my, all these, you know, a huge group of people. And I'm like, well, there's my butt. And like, what if, you never know. Like, what if, it is a show, you know, there is a spin. And it's like, you don't know what that could be. I mean, maybe, I mean, I felt like I did a really good job, but it's, you never know what it might be like. And so I, I thought, you know, I'm just going to yeah, there's no, watch it at home. There's no, like, yeah. obviously they're not like screening it for you ahead of time. You literally don't know what the episode is no, until it's on you television. Don't. Yeah. Like that's a crazy. People thought I was just being like chill about it, but I honestly, <laughs> I didn't know. And I actually was scheduled to work that night, um, but ended up being off. So I thought, well, I'll just order it online. And I just couldn't get it to do because I don't have like TV. So I was going to have to order just the episode. I couldn't get it to work. So, you know, I was like, well, am I just going to miss it? And then just, I guess, hope to catch it. I don't know. And then one of my friends was bartending and her bar was really empty. And she was like, oh, what, you know, what are you going to do? Where are you going to watch it? I was like, I don't know. She's like, come watch it with me. So I did. I just went to her bar and I think there were like five people in and, that I'd never met and we just watched it. <laughs> but that's gotta be its own 
awkward <laughs> like come into this bar like do, 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 all right put on the episode of me like so we yeah, can... people were, the people were like what the hell's going on they were like <laughs> laughing about it because they thought maybe the joke was that i look like this raggedy redhead but i'm like no i am the raggedy redhead that is me like you know? <laughs> they're like she does look like it she looks crazy I'm like, yeah that's me I mean, that is like, I'll just say as your friend, that that is an odd sensation too of like seeing you on the episode. Cause I'm like, I'm like, this shit is real. Cause like, I'm like looking at you <laughs> like, I, you know, no offense, but you, I don't think you could act this well. <laughs> like, no, I cannot. Like I'm the, I'm the worst in the world as far as acting goes. So if they had even given me a line, they would have scrapped it because I would have been like, gee, I wish I had some food. <laughs> like, it would have been the worst thing ever. So, yeah. So uh, It was crazy, and I watched it, but uh, I didn't see. I did not see the pop-up version. I know there was a different version released, which is their uncensored, which technically not uncensored, but, you know, it's like their pop-up version. I have not seen that. I, I don't know where. I can't even find that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, so yeah, you've mentioned something about, it. I, I have no idea about the pop-up version, but yeah, like, so, okay. So it airs and then, I don't know. Does, does your life change? Does it feel different? Like, do, do you just go back to normal? Like what, what has it been like since June 10th? It's been crazy weird, you know, um, so many people all over the place have like messaged me and it honestly it was all positive i i haven't really gotten a lot of bad feedback at all and people were so awesome and supportive and just you know rooting me on a lot of people here you know where i live in southern maryland but also uh, all over like oh, i didn't know this but apparently there's a huge following in the philippines so oh. the, the philippines love naked and afraid yeah mm-hmm. i got so many like messages from the Philippines and followers and people that are really excited about it. So that was cool. And then, yeah, just, uh, it, it, I I do the same stuff I've always done. You know, I, I just keep doing my primitive skill stuff and I keep, you know, uh, doing basically my normal routine, but yeah, people do, you know, know it, this is a small town, but people do recognize me. I'm also a ginger, so I don't blend in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they definitely do and then you know just interested people were interested and in, uh want to talk about it and you know i think that's part of it i went through like an insanely unique experience and um people just want to know about it so i don't mind but it, i do forget sometimes you know like yeah i was working and someone came in and was like oh so can i take a picture of you but with no like Nothing before it, nothing leading up to that question. Just like, oh, can I take a picture of you? And I was like, why? Like, right. I, was not, I was really concerned for him. And I was like, what for? Like, I was like, what, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. And he was like, oh, because of the show. But yeah, I'm like, you didn't say in my mind, I'm like, but you didn't say. And I wasn't thinking. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sure. Yeah, of course. But at first, I, I completely forgot. So yeah, I mean, for me, I, I kind of do the same thing. But I luckily have some like more opportunities like to go to events and invitations to go to other things now that I don't know probably wouldn't have received if I didn't do the show so that's pretty cool I've a lot of people want me to do you know excel and things like that so it's neat it's cool to have a lot of um, awesome support from all kinds of people from all over 
Did you have you heard anything from Kyle? Do you guys was there any talk or you? Yes, like, I I did talk to Kyle. Uh, I did talk to Kyle, but I did talk to him. The, I hadn't talked to him after um, after he left. I didn't talk to him in the in the interim because you know basically I wasn't I wasn't allowed to talk about what you know what went on and during that time I wasn't allowed to talk about it. So it just. You know, and also his last name is real difficult to spell, but (laughs) I couldn't remember how to spell it or or anything. But um, we didn't talk during that time, but I did message him after it aired. And, uh, yeah, you know, he's just doing his thing. I mean, people people judge him over leaving, but you're not there. You don't know what it's like. And uh, honestly, missing your family, that's not, come on, you know, that's not the whole thing. That's a miserable time. It really is. Like, they can't. They, it's it's literally for me twenty one days of filming twenty four seven and they can't film they can't put everything in there that happens to you and everything you go through so they really can't you're never gonna know how how terrible it is they have to fit that into forty two minutes so you know well there's also I mean it's it was always, difficult there's always gonna be yeah I mean that's the thing with with these shows and and with you know reality TV or whatever like they they need to give people clear narratives. And I mean, we could talk about that with you. That's an interesting thing of like, obviously it's like, you're a loner. Like that was very much how you were marketed, which is like, which is like fair in that, like you are a very independent person. But again, it's like, we've talked about this whole conversation. And again, as being your friend, like you, you're an independent person, but it's not like you're a hermit. You're not like, you haven't shunned civilization. Like you, you know, you you have yeah. friends, you have yeah. social activities. So it's I think it's always like looking to I guess like make people kind of one dimensional or like check them off, you know, or, or like make them. Well, I, you know, and I think and it and again it's, it also has to come back to it's forty two minutes of content. So right. if and it's easier to say like if it's easier to just say hey here's some bullet points on this person, then I think that they're trying to make it as simple as possible, you know. And you're never going to, like, ever really know that person. and Or even, like, when Kyle's instance, you know, all, all of the... I mean, we got wood mites. We got all kinds of stuff. That's but we thing. have some... Again, and I'll, I'll say, like, 100% Team Kyle, like, I would not have made it 10 days. Like, I don't have any <laughs> qualms about, like, saying that. I, I think that, like, just watching it, I was like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to, like, yeah. so, so 10 days is a long time to do that. I, that's, I, no, I have respect for Kyle. I, I will defend him to his honor. Yeah, to so I know, so he's doing great. Yeah. yeah, he and his wife are doing awesome, and they get a kick out of the show, and they, they're doing awesome. So, uh, yeah, I do talk to him. I keep him in the loop on, you know, stuff that pops up and any sort of uh, stuff dealing with the show and everything, and he does the same for me. So we're we're friends, and, you know, like I say, we, we were always really respectful and nice to each other when we were out there, and not going to change that once, once we got back. Well, um, I guess just... To, to wrap things up a bit like so what what's the future hold for you like do you do you think you're closer to maybe doing this full time is that what you want to do and also do you see yourself doing other competitions like do you think you'd do this again or do one of the the other kind of things like what what's on the horizon well when i got back i definitely <laughs> had intense you know knowledge about um, in depth about what I needed to work on 
aspects of, you know, just my training and, and, you know, working, what did I need to practice more and get more knowledge on? So since the show aired, I've definitely been doing that and just kind of varying it, you know, just always be a student is kind of a, a slogan I kind of follow. So even if I've taken, let's say, let's even though I've taken firecrafting, I'll, you know, continue to take it, take it here, take it with this mentor, take it this, you know, primitive skill gathering or whatever. So I'm always going to do stuff like that regardless of, you know, the show or anything. I've just been always into that. Um, a lot of people really have said they wanted me to go on XL. Um, that is something I would consider. I would consider XL. Um, it's just an awesome different dynamic group, you know, a group aspect of it. So, I mean, if they wanted to talk to me about it, I would certainly consider it. In the meantime, you know, as close as I can get to doing it full time is, is my goal. Meaning, you know, if that's teaching a forging class locally, um, or working with, some kind of naturalist program or, or day camp or anything like that, I am, you know, more than happy to do. And I've been picking up stuff like that. It's just, you know, I think that if you, um, like the, what they say, you know, if you're doing what you love, then you'll never work. So I've definitely been pushing to that. And I have not gone back to any sort of full-time job uh, just to just to pay the bills. So, so far, I mean, so good. I'm pretty excited about it. And I think it was a really good experience. And uh, it's one of those things that's like uh, mentally, you know, it's if I can survive 21 days in the Honduran jungle alone for 11, then I can do pretty much, you know, anything. <laughs> it's not too much I'm going to get discouraged by. <laughs> Uh, well, how can, is there a way, like, uh, do you want to give out your Instagram or is there like, if people want to you know, yeah. buy your stuff or I do what, how can a... people support you? Sure. Well, the best way is Instagram. Um, it's bandit underscore queen underscore bushcraft. Um, that's the way that I post almost all of my projects and any upcoming stuff I'm going to do. I do have a public Facebook page that I just um, started where I'll put any events I'm going to go to or um, any other, you know, activities. I also post, like, stuff from the show, scenes from the show, uh, tidbits and stuff. And that you can find um, by searching my name on Facebook, which, by the way, they misspelled, they just misspelled my name. Yes, they <laughs> misspelled my name in the show notes. I saw <laughs> like, that. What? Yeah. That was, like, the first thing because I, I bought the episode and so that was like the first thing I saw, like when I went to watch it, I was like, what? I kind of had a like, that's a bad sign, <laughs> you know? Like, I know, but I actually thought it was hilarious. I mean, it's, it's like, it, trust my luck. I would, I would do the 21 days. I would get through it. I would do it all. And then my name would be myself. Like that is pretty much. My Keep, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So if you're looking for me uh, on Instagram or Facebook, you can search me. By my name, Riley Parlett, and Riley is spelled R-Y-L-I-E, uh, <laughs> n- not the other way around. <laughs> but yeah, so pretty much that's it. I don't, I don't have Twitter or anything like that. So that's, that's pretty much it. All right, uh, awesome. Is there anything I didn't mention that you you want to say or, or anything, or did did we pretty much cover it? No, I think we did an excellent job. Okay, actually, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> It was, right. it was nice catching up. It's it's been a while, so it's nice just to get it. Uh, I know, I know. 
Yeah. Next time, let's You're not. You're fancy in LA now. I know. Yeah. Next time, you don't have to go to a hunter and jungle for it's after extremely. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there you have it. My chat with Riley Parlett, my friend, also an incredibly badass person uh, who I, you know, just listening to that, as I said, if you're like, I would never have done any of that. So uh, incredible respect to her. Uh, and also Team Kyle. I, I, I didn't know he was getting such a bad rap, but I, I'm glad that I could offer some defense of him. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you did, if you just checked in for this interview, go to hobotrashcan.com. Go back through the archives. There are all kinds of interviews, plus just our normal weekly show with me and Lars talking pop culture. Uh, you know, go, go check out some more episodes. And uh, remember, kids, question everything. All right, you guys ready? All right, you guys ready? All right, you guys ready? Here we go.
for the beginning, the intro, if you don't mind doing like a, this is Riley Parlett, uh, I guess, I don't know, naked and afraid's Riley Parlett. I don't know if we like how you want to attribute yourself, but uh, sure. you're listening to Hobo Radio and then you can throw anything after that. Okay. Whenever you're good. I don't know if you're waiting for me. To oh, oh, sorry. I thought you were going to do <laughs> I thought you were going to do it like you're listening to her and then I was going to go. No, no, no. You, I'm sorry. You say all of that. That's You say like this is. Oh, oh I say the whole thing. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. okay. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. This is Joe. And this is Chris from the Curioso Podcast. You are currently listening to The Hobo Radio. Joe, do hobos listen to Hobo Radio? I think so. They have one in their stick and bindle, right? Uh, that's called a bindle stiff, sir. Bindle stiff. And you know what? If you listen to The Curioso, you will get to know things like that. Because we talk about the weird, the strange, the bizarre, and sometimes the mundane that you just don't know. So enjoy your two hobos, but you can catch us at thecurioso.com on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Nicholas Cage wants you to.